It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Welcome to another trip under the hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. We're in the midst of the 2018-19 offseason for the Fuel. A lot beginning to happen, and a lot more will happen over the next month. Of course, we're still in playoff season as well throughout the professional hockey world. In the ECHL, the Kelly Cup Finals, two games down as we record this. The Newfoundland Growlers defeated the Toledo Walleye in overtime in back-to-back games, winning 4-3 to in Game 1 and 2-1 to on Scott Pooley's overtime goal in Game 2. That series will now move to Toledo for Games 3, 4, and 5 if necessary. Newfoundland, an expansion team looking to win the Kelly Cup in its first year, the Toledo Walleye trying to become the first Toledo team in 25 years to win an ECHL title. The last was the Toledo Storm, a direct forerunner to the Walleye back in 1994, and they won back-to-back titles. And so a tremendous final series, two very close games that have been played so far, and we expect a deep Kelly Cup final. Of course, the National Hockey League as well. As we record this, the Stanley Cup final set to begin between the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. The Bruins making their first appearance since 2013, looking to win their first Stanley Cup since 2011. And seventh overall, the Blues looking for their first Stanley Cup, making their first appearance since they lost to Boston in 1970 in four games. A few local connections in this one. Bruce Affleck, who is a great player for the Indianapolis Checkers on their 1982 and 1983 championship teams, has long been an executive with the Blues and the Bruins. Their head coach, Bruce Cassidy, coached the Indianapolis Ice in 1998-99, won a Turner Cup with the Ice as a player in 1990, and skated a couple of different stints for the Ice. And a couple of players as well, Tori Krug and Sean Corrali, played their junior hockey here in the Circle City. So a few local connections as the Stanley Cup final gets underway. Meanwhile, Kevin Lonkinen, fuel goaltender for part of last season, also spent much of the year in Rockford, world championship goaltender. He shut out Russia with Alexander Ovechkin and a number of NHL stars one to nothing on Saturday and then beat Canada three to one on Sunday to win the gold medal for Finland. Congratulations to Kevin. On this edition of Under the Hood, we'll have a couple of guests for you. The first is Jim Cornelison. We have had him on as a guest before, but had a chance to catch up with him on Sunday at the Indianapolis 500. He is obviously iconic as the Chicago Blackhawks anthem singer, but he also has gained fame for singing Back Home Again in Indiana at the Indianapolis 500. This was the third consecutive year. He met with the media before the Indianapolis 500 on the red carpet at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And here is what Jim Cornelison had to say. What makes this so different than singing national anthem or anything anyplace else? Well, over 300,000 people. Um, I only do it once a year. Uh, it has a different, very different kind of energy to it. That's more, more warm. It, it's, uh, it, it's just so specific to this race and this venue, right? Whereas the national anthem is something we do before sporting events all the time. Um, even at the United Center, we cheer through the anthem, so that has a very specific energy to it, and that's kind of the way that my anthem was developed. Well, this is a very, very different energy, right? And, and that, than that. So you want to try to capture both of those moments in a different way when you. 
come up with how, an idea of how you want to sing the song. What does it mean to you that you've been embraced so much by the fans here in three years after following Jim Neighbors? Uh, well, it's, it's so it's touching, right? I mean, on a purely emotional level, it just feels uh, you feel like like you've really made a connection with people. I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking about the song, practicing it, and thinking what is it that the fans would want to hear. Uh, from somebody who might possibly follow Jim Neighbors. And so you try to think of the traditions, the way he sang it. You want to present something people could sing along to if they want. And uh, and for that to have registered is incredibly gratifying and uh, touching. This isn't home. I, I know that for you. But does it feel at home? Well, uh, okay, so I, I went to school at IU from 1988 until 1993. My uh, my wife grew up in Indianapolis. My my son was born in Bloomington. I moved to Chicago in 95. I've been up and down 65 for family events and everything. I mean, you can say it's not a home, but I got extended family, uh, you know, all over the city. So. Yeah. What do you love about this event? Have you become a race fan? You know what I love is, uh, gosh, there's so many things. Uh, the energy, the uniqueness of it, the size of it, the the professionalism and just class and warmth of the uh, staff that I work with here, the way that fans have embraced me, the the number of Blackhawk fans that I find in uh, in Indianapolis. I come down for the Fuel Games; they're a Blackhawk affiliate. I mean, there's so much that I get in touch with, like here for the race, for the parade, everything. It's just just a great experience. Is there anything hard about singing back home again in Indiana? The only thing hard about singing back home in Indiana is doing it in a way, well enough and in a way, that fans would say, okay, we'll let you do that after Jim Neighbors has done it for so long. That is the hardest thing by far. Yep. What's your favorite thing in Indianapolis besides the 500? Is there anything else that you look forward to when you come to this race? You know what's been fun is uh, I'll get down for about the last five or six years, a couple times a year for the Indy Fuel Games or the Blackhawk affiliate, right? And they'll put us to the Hilton downtown. And then after the game, I'll go walk around downtown. I think I rode a mechanical bull one night. That was <laughs> it wasn't as crazy as it sounded. It was, it was actually an alcohol-free evening. But I, I'd always wanted to try it, right? But the, to see the way that Indianapolis has changed downtown has been really, really exciting to see because I've been coming there since, you know, we would come up back in 88, 89, 90 when I was at school. And it's just the way the city has come along is uh, really exciting to see. It's a fun place to be. And that's Jim Cornelius of the Chicago Blackhawks anthem singer. You noticed he talked about how much he enjoys coming down and singing at Indy Fuel Games. He sang at our first ever game in 2014 and annually sings the anthem on Blackhawks night and the crowd cheers just like the United Center and once again delivered a beautiful and arousing rendition of Back Home Again in Indiana in front of more than 300,000 people. A couple of hockey connections. The Stanley Cup was actually in Indianapolis over the weekend. It took a lap around the famed oval in the two-seater with Mario Andretti driving it on Saturday and was brought out of its case for a photo op on Sunday in Victory Lane at IMS and just happened to turn around. It was working in the pits and saw the Stanley Cup just sitting there. And so it was really neat to see the Stanley Cup. And of course, it is now being played for between the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. And earlier in the month, Corey Crawford, the Chicago Blackhawks goaltender, drove the pace car for the Grand Prix of Indianapolis that kicks off the month of May. Of course, you heard from him on the last edition of Under the Hood.
We're joined by Arizona State University head coach Greg Powers, an Indianapolis native, as he this year led the Sun Devils to the NCAA tournament for the first time in just the fourth year of the program's existence as an NCAA varsity program. And Coach Powers, first of all, thanks for joining us and talk a little bit about the season you've had and the path to reaching the NCAA tournament. Well, it was it was a great season. We took a big step as a program. Uh, I like you said, m- you know, made our first NCAA tournament and only our third full season as a program at this level, um, which is the fastest any startup programs ever qualified for the NCAA tournament. So we're very proud of that, um, you know. And then you couple that with with sending our our first player to the National Hockey League and, and Joey Decord, who played for the Ottawa Senators as soon as we were done and, and, and signed his first NHL contract. It was a, it was a monumental year for us and, and on many fronts. And um, it, it's been a, a, I guess, short road to outsiders. It feels like a long road for, for our, myself and our staff to, to have, have, have done what we've, we've done to, this, to get us to this point. Um, but we feel like we're only scratching the surface that, that, that uh, this, this program has, uh, endless amounts of upside, and and uh, and we expect to take another step next year. Just describe what it takes to build a program. You were a, a very solid program in the American Collegiate Hockey Association at the club level. What does it take to build a program and build that infrastructure to not only compete at the NCAA Division One level, but also to have the success you've had? Yeah, you know, it's 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 it's. I, I, a lot of people like to to compare us to Penn State and and how they they elevated their their ACHA program and um, and really we're apples and oranges. What what I tell people is Penn State's model is the idea model. They 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 went from from club to Division One and 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 had a little bit of a longer ramp up period. They had an arena from day one. They had a conference from day one. They had 110 million dollars to start it. So that's the ideal model. We started our NCAA program went straight from from club hockey to division one hockey in about six months after we announced no arena no conference and, and what i call us is is the realistic model you know we we we, we kind of made a uh, made it a goal and a point um to prove to other universities and other 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 athletic departments um that you don't need 100 million to elevate hockey you can it's okay to figure some stuff out as you kind of go and, 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 and figure stuff out along the process and you can still have success. And so, you know, hopefully that, that, that we've done that. I know that there's a lot of different uh, universities, you know, taking a look at what we've done in, in such a short period of time with what we've done it with and, and hopefully uh, look at it as a, as a more realistic thing to add men's division one hockey. Can Arizona state really be a model because college hockey appears to be a game that is prime for a lot of growth. I know a few uh, universities in the Midwest are looking at adding the sport, and uh, and I know it's been looked at a little bit more in the Southwest with some other schools as well. How much can the success you've had, and obviously Penn State's a completely different animal, uh, as you mentioned, they had a lot of resources up front, but the success you've had and the growth of college hockey, and uh, how much can that help grow the game and provide even more uh, programs to uh, look at adding the sport? I, I mean, I, I think that, that we absolutely can be a model. I think that our model, like I said, is, is realistic, right? I mean, it, it if you can get, get it's all, it's, it's all about the right people. If you have the right people involved and the right support from your administration, which we do, we had the right leader at the right time and, and our athletic director and Ray Anderson, who, um, 
who could have easily said no, you know, to add men's hockey at Arizona State. And with that came women's lacrosse and women's triathlon for Title IX. Um, and, and he took it all on. And, and so you have to have the right people with the right vision. Um, and, uh, and again, I think we've proven in a very short period of time that you can do it without all the bells and whistles um, and, and figure things out as long, as long as you go. The juniors and seniors you've had were your first couple of recruiting classes as an NCAA program and your, your junior class, the first one is a full-time NCAA program. What was it like to recruit and encourage players to come to a new program, a startup program that's had a history of success at the club level and be a part of something new? Yeah, it was a challenge. The first couple of years, it was, it was a tremendous challenge because we were so new and, and unproven and um, kind of a, a you know, I guess an urban legend in a lot of people's minds, like, wow, division one hockey at Arizona state. Um, but we, we, we just focused on finding the right kid, the right kid that bought into our mantra, which is be the tradition. You get to come to a, a place like Arizona state, start a program, be a part of something special, build a, a tradition and a culture, um, at the largest university in the United States and the only PAC 12 school to have hockey and, look back on your career in 20 years and, and, and know and be proud of that you started it. And last year was, was really the first year we felt like we had a locker room full of kids that truly bought into that. And uh, you know, it, it, it's all about having the right people, like I said, and, and, and that, that certainly goes uh, extends into uh, players and, and, and what you're, what you're putting, who you're putting in stalls and, uh, you know, just a group of kids that bought into our mantra and they, they take a tremendous amount of pride in, in, in be the tradition and establishing a culture here. And, um, and I think that was the biggest reason for our success. I've heard a lot of coaches say it's not always getting the best players. It's getting the right players. And what does that look like for you? Is it team guys, guys that want to work hard, guys that really, uh, buy in and allow things to to happen but also uh, really play hard on the ice well for us it, you know it's all that obviously absolutely but you know it's it's is get it's just getting kids that love the game they, they love the game and and they're good students because at arizona state you you can you know because of the vibrant campus and nice weather and all the good stuff that comes with being a student at a place like arizona state you could easily get caught up in and, and bringing players in that, that, that aren't here to be hockey players and student athletes and are here for the wrong reasons. So we've, we've learned um, how to kind of vet kids out during the process that, that make sure that they are coming here for the right reasons. And the right reasons are to help us build a program, you know, and, um, and again, we made some mistakes over the first you know few years, but last year, we felt like we, we, we got our locker room exactly to where we wanted it from a, from a behavioral and culturally standpoint. Um, and, uh, and the success followed. So, you know, just, just like you said, the right kids, the, the ones that are bought into, uh, you know, obviously, you know, not only how we want to play on the ice, but most importantly, uh, to, to the culture that we're trying to establish here that, uh, will set this program into motion for a long time. A non-traditional hockey market, what does it, how much of a foundation did the Arizona Coyotes being across town help provide to help provide a hockey culture in Phoenix and help develop that, that now can allow the Arizona state Sun Devils to extend that hockey culture to a different level? 
it's huge. I mean, I don't think we're here without the National Hockey League and, and just hockey in general in, in this market for, for 20 years now. We've had the, the NHL and we've seen it grow exponentially. The numbers with USA Hockey and the growth are, are off the charts. And, and uh, uh, I think they lead the country in, in growth year over year for the last few years. And, and, and so without that, I, I, you know, I just don't see us here. And I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you know, the, the development model and, and the amount of good players now coming out of Arizona, it becomes more and more every year. And, and when you have an NHL team here that draws NHL talent, guys retire here, Shane Dome coaches here, guys like Tyson Nash, coach Derek Morris, um, ex-pros that, that were really, really good players. Um, and so the coaching here at the youth level is really good because of that. And when you have pro hockey in your town, especially at the NHL level, um, over time, the more guys that retire and stay in that city and, and, and decide to give back and coach, it, 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 the, the market reaps the benefits. And that's exactly what's happened here with kids like Austin Matthews, who's from Scottsdale. So um, I think we owe everything to the NHL being here. And you've got a couple of Arizona natives on your roster as well. Yeah, we do. We do. We're, we have uh, some really, really high-end players. You know, Johnny Walker led the the country in points last in goals last year with 23. Uh, led the entire NCAA. Um, we uh, uh, we have Anthony Croston, who's probably going to play in the American League next year. Came here as a walk-on, and 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 he's going to play pro hockey. And then Demetrius Kumanzis, who's a fourth-round draft pick for the Calgary Flames. So. Uh, some really good local talent uh, sprinkled on our roster, and, and and I think people will see a lot more of that as years continue. How special is it for you as a college coach to see your players matriculate onto the pros, whether it be the ECHL, uh, the American Hockey League, or as you mentioned with Joey Decord playing in the National Hockey League? Well, it's great. I mean, that's what kids want. Kid, kids kids want to know that they're going to be able to get developed and, and receive the, the direction and coaching uh, to move on to the next level. And in three short years, we proved that we can do that. We've had a number of kids go play overseas or in the East Coast League. And then we just had our first one, like you mentioned, and, and Joey playing the National Hockey League and signing an NHL deal. And I think that, um, and we, well, I don't think, I know we had two others turn down NHL deals to come back next year. So um, it, it's going to continue to happen. And it's something we're proud of, you know, because because it's it's just another kind of notch in our belt where where uh, we can tell kids, look, you're going to come here, you're going to get a world class education, you're going to build a program, and if you do things the right way, we're going to give you the tools and the resources necessary to move on to the next level. It's not easy to qualify for the NCAA tournament as an independent because you don't have that conference tournament path and you have to build your own schedule. Describe uh, what it was like to do that and to play at a high level to be selected for one of those at-large bids. It's it's really difficult putting together an independent schedule. You know, balancing travel, especially with where we are geographically, getting teams to come all the way out to Arizona, and then having, in some cases, having to fly out to different locations in the country, and, and you know, oftentimes up to three weekends in a row. So. We've, we've essentially, as an independent, just had to play whoever would play us. Um, you know, we said from day one, we wanted to make as difficult of a schedule as we could. Uh, and that's twofold. It's one, just to get our guys that experience and learn from the best and, and understand what it takes to uh, be uh, an elite, you know, Division One program. And there's no better way to do it than to cut your teeth going into those venues and and learning the hard way. And we took some big time lumps in our first couple of years, but all that started to pay off last year. And 
Um, and we're now in a position where our upperclassmen, they've seen everything. There's nothing they haven't seen. There's no venue or environment that intimidates them. Um, we played a lot of really high end teams and then now had success against them. So, uh, I think the, uh, the philosophy has paid off and it certainly did last year because it, it had us high enough in the pairwise rankings where we qualified for the tournament. And you mentioned playing in some great venues. You've got a pretty interesting trip coming up to start the next season. You're going to be the first college hockey team to play in China. Describe what that opportunity is like for you and what that overseas trip is going to be like to really kick off the 2019-20 season. It'll be a tremendous team building experience for our guys. Um, you know, and, and the, the, the main motivation behind that was our senior class had done, they'd done so much for us and, and, and helping us build this program. And we wanted to give back to them and take them on a, a memorable trip because they're not going to be able to play in our new arena. So um, we decided on China. Our university is incredibly active in, in China. We have over 4,000 Chinese students that attend ASU. Um, so it just made a lot of sense. You know, we're looking at it as a, a team building and, and, and cultural experience for our, our guys. And um, hockey is a secondary, you know, you know, uh, reason to go while it's the vehicle, you know, that, that's allowing us to go. Um, we're going for the experience and, and to, to have our guys visit a place that many of them probably would never visit if, if they didn't have this kind of opportunity. Well, you mentioned the new arena. How is that coming along? Describe what that's going to be like, and especially as a boost for your program going forward. It's going to be huge. We uh, we anticipate groundbreaking here in the next few months. Um, two sheets. The main sheet that uh, the games will be played out of, we'll see it about 4,200 uh, people. So it's a perfect college size, nice and intimate, but a size where we're comfortable, where we, we believe we'll sell out every game. And, uh, and it'll be a tremendous experience for, for not only, you know, kids in our program, but um, the campus effect that we believe it'll have at Arizona State with a, just a un, unique kind of, you know, college uh, hockey experience that, that still, you know, they haven't had here. I mean, we play in a small venue that seats about a thousand people and they have to turn hundreds and hundreds of people away at, at night um, because it's just not big enough. So, um, so we're, we're really excited about it. I know our, our, our players are, everybody is. And uh, when that day comes, we can drop the puck in that new place. It's going to, it's going to change everything. Describe what your path has been like. You grew up in uh, Indianapolis and graduated, if I remember correctly, from North Central High School. And yep. how, uh, what was your path in youth hockey and what drew you to this sport? You know, um, I, everything I am in hockey, I owe to my days in Indy. Um, I mean, I, I, I started there when I was three. I played, you know, on the first Indianapolis Racers team at Carmel Ice Stadium when they, they, they changed over from, from uh, the Indy Youth Travelers and had the same coach that was a huge influence on me and still is to this day, Huey Harris. Uh, you know, he owns Greek Tonys. If you go in there, you see my, my picture all over those walls. And uh, played with a lot of great players, a lot of great players uh, from Indy that went on to places like Culver, a handful of Division One guys, a few guys that played some pro hockey, like Casey Harris and Kevin Carlander and Ryan Harris and Kevin Young, and and so it just you know everything everything that I experienced as a kid going to Quebec and in and, and the Pee Wee tournament and having a ton of success there with with the Racers um, really developed me into to, to who I became you know it was just it was what I lived and and experienced as a kid and and I owe it all to that and just um 
you know, I still talk to a lot of my teammates to this day, you know, that, that, that I grew up playing with and we stay in touch. And um, it's really neat because of, of our kind of surgence as, as a program at Arizona State, getting people and hearing from people from Indianapolis from my days growing up there. I mean, I've been gone from Indy since I've been 18. So, I mean, I grew up there and, 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 and still have most of my family that lives there and go back often but I've been in Arizona for 24 years. So I've been here for over half my life. And um, so for, for, you know, a lot of the good things that happened to me personally through our success as a program to hear from all the, the great people that, that I grew up either playing for or with um, whether it be on Facebook or Twitter or the random email from old coaches or whatever, it, it's been really cool. And um, you know, people don't give Andy enough credit for, I think how good of a hockey town that it is. Um, you know, I know I went through a little bit of a lull there without pro hockey for a while, but now it's back. And I think that, uh, I think that the sky's the limit for that market. And you look at some of the kids that even Indy's pumping out, I mean, they're, 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 you know, they're, 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 they're developing some division one players and it's, it's awesome. Uh, you see uh, NHL vets like John Michael Lyles or more uh, players more recently, Zach Trotman coming into the national hockey league. It's really uh, neat to see, uh, but kind of being a part of that program, do you really take pride in seeing kids grow up and, and develop and come out of central Indiana and uh, perform at the D one level or beyond? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I do. And and I always have, you know, even, I mean, I was out of hockey for a while there when I, when I graduated and tried to stay up to date with everything that was going on there. Um, and now obviously in the world that I'm in, it's a lot easier, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's really cool to, to, keep tabs on it. And, uh, I reached out to me uh, a few weeks ago and invited me back for a, a hometown hockey heroes camp. Unfortunately I can't go, but it's something that I definitely want to do, um, in the, in the future years when I can. And anyway, I can continue to give back in any way to, um, youth hockey in central Indiana. I'm, I'm certainly going to. Describe the path then from North Central High School and uh, playing for the Racers in Indianapolis to uh, to Arizona. You went out there to play uh, to play hockey and be a student on the club team. But what uh, what is what brought you there and what has uh, allowed you to stay there and then take over with the ACHA team and then build a program uh, at the NCAA? Yeah, it, I have definitely a unique path to, to where I'm at today. I mean, I, I came straight here out of high school to Arizona State. Uh, a lot of my teammates that I grew up playing with, you know, I was on Huey's team for, I think we played together for almost a dozen years. Um, they, they, a lot of them went to Culver. I did not go to Culver. Wasn't in a situation from a family standpoint where that, that was possible. So I just played high school at North Central and, um, and, and had a blast and loved it and, uh, ended up going to, to the Chicago Showcase, which was a, a select tournament full of, all the, the quote unquote best kids that played high school in Indiana had a good tournament and the coach from Arizona state recruited me. Um, I didn't take it very serious at the time, but I decided to visit. And as soon as I came here, I knew this is where I was going to go. Um, and, and I've been here since I I was 18 and, uh, had a blast playing for the club team here and, and had some success and, and we did well there and then got completely out of hockey. When I graduated, went into the corporate world, um, long story short, spent two years when I was 30 uh, as uh, as an assistant for the club team, took over as the head coach. We won a national championship, became very successful, uh, beat Penn State Division One team 
And, uh, and here I am today, they elevated the program and, and decided to keep me on. So that's, that's the very short version. And, and it's been, uh, it's been a wild ride. And, and I mean, God only knows where, where I'll be in another 12 years. With Arizona state being your alma mater, is there an extra level of pride in helping build the program there? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, yeah, and I tell people this all the time. I don't, I don't know how good I'd be anywhere else. I mean, I have a tremendous amount of passion for not only our program, but our university. And, you know, when you're an alumni and you get a coach at the, the school that you got a degree from and I met my wife at and, and, and everything I have today, essentially I owe to it. It's, it's, it's a level of pride that, that other places just wouldn't be able to, to give me. Um, so it, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun and, and something, obviously, I'm very proud of. What else would you like to share with the uh, hockey fans back home in Indianapolis? You know, it's a great hockey town. It really is. There's so many good hockey people there. And, um, you know, I'm, and I'm just proud. I'm proud to be from Indy. I'm proud to be a Hoosier. I'm proud to have been a racer and, and played my entire life growing up at, uh, at Carmel and high school hockey in Indy. And, uh, um, you know, I don't think, I think, I think oftentimes, even, even today, you know, kids from Indy, you think hockey from Indy and it's still kind of that non-traditional thought, you know, and, and, um, if you want it bad enough, just keep doing what you got to do and then things will work out. And I think kids like Grant Hutton are proving that and, and other kids that are playing division one hockey, uh, from Indy and just in these past few years, there's been a few kids that, that have gotten commitments and, um, now that pro hockey's back and it seems to be stable, um, with the fuel, I, 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 I think that, that hockey is going to, going to grow in a, in a really positive direction there. I think that was kind of the lull that indie hockey had when they lost pro hockey, it just kind of lost its luster a little bit, but, um, it's slowly coming back. And then I'm very proud of that. Well, thanks a lot, coach, for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's Arizona state head coach, Greg Powers on this week's edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. And that's our conversation with Greg Powers, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, an Indianapolis native and a product of the youth hockey program in Indianapolis. And we're going to see more and more of that, especially with the investment the Hallett family and the Fuel have made in youth hockey. And we've seen the IYHA and the Junior Fuel programs merge. And so now everybody's under one umbrella, essentially, in Indianapolis, and it's going to be great for the youth hockey programs in the city and in the area. It's really exciting to see what's happening. I think we're going to see more guys like Greg Powers who make their mark in the coaching ranks, more guys like John Michael Lyles, who played a long career in the NHL after growing up in Zionsville, more guys like Mason Yopst, native of Speedway, grew up in central Indiana, captain of Ohio State this year, and signed a free agent deal recently with the New York Islanders. We're going to see more and more of that as time goes on, as hockey continues to grow and take root in central Indiana. We've got a lot of exciting things happening on the fuel front. Of course, you can get your season tickets for next year by calling 317-925-FUEL or visiting IndyFuelHockey.com. They're on sale. Secure your seats at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum for the 2019-20 season, year six for the Indy Fuel. And already seen a number of players who played for the Fuel last season have signed contracts with the Rockford Ice Hogs. For the upcoming year, June's going to be an exciting month. The Indy Fuel are set to name their head coach in all likelihood in early June. 
and that'll be the third head coach in franchise history. We'll begin to start seeing player signings come after that. The new league year begins on June 16th. That comes shortly after the Kelly Cup is handed out. And so we can start turning the page to 2019-20. That's when teams can begin signing the previous year's players as well as uh, free agents coming out of college. Those players actually can sign now. But those will be uh, players that we see uh, coming into the fuel. We'll likely see a bunch of signings in June. And also July tend to be a lot of busy weeks in those months as we begin to set the foundation for the next season. On upcoming editions of Under the Hood, we will talk with Fuel players as well as introduce you to the Fuel's next head coach when that person joins us in early June and more. Keep joining us on Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. This is Andrew Smith. We'll see you at the rink. Thanks for going under the hood with the Indy Fuel. For more, keep visiting IndyFuelHockey.com.